the Lord. How he picked me up, turned me around. How he placed my feet on solid ground. Does it make you want to shout? Does it make you want to shout? When I think about the Lord, when I think about what he's done for me, how through the cross he's redeemed me, how through his blood he's made me new, how through his life he's given me one new, when I think about the Lord, on your feet. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, that you're good and that your mercy endures forever. We thank you, Lord God, that you saw fit to take on flesh and to live a life that we couldn't live, that we could, way we could enjoy a love that we couldn't do without. We thank you, Lord, that through your blood, through your sacrifice, you have made us new. It's your mercy that leads us to repentance. It's your mercy that endures. It's your mercy that we need. It's your mercy that gives us what we don't deserve. We thank you for your mercy. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would open every ear today. Open every ear that they might hear your words today and not mine. That they might find respite for their souls. That they might find, Father God, that which they need most in this time, in this hour, in this season of their lives. Lord God, you have tailored a word specifically for your people. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gifts that are on my life. Manifest yourself for me today as you choose. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While you're, while you're still standing, we're just going to read verse number one and two together. Uh, if you would get Psalm number 91, verses one and two in your hearing, I think we have it on the screen. We're just going to read verses one and two together. And after we read verses one and two together, you can take your seats. I'll continue to read the rest of Psalm 91. We're reading from the New International Version. It says this, verse number one. Let's go together. Whoever dwells in the shelter will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. Yeah. My God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, 
No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. I want to preach to you today from the topic, what you won't do for love. What you won't do for love. Many of you may remember this song by Bobby Caldwell, 1978. He released this jam. You know it. Come on. I guess you wonder where I've been. Search to find a love within. You try everything but give up. This is where we are today in our text. We, we are found looking straight at a text that tells us what God won't do for love. He'll do everything but leave you. He'll do everything but not let you go protected. He, he won't give up on you. This, this psalm, Psalm 91, is a psalm of great confidence. It's a song of great trust as we think about the goodness of the Lord and how he protects us, how he keeps us, how he guards us, how he keeps us from harm. At the same time, when we listen to this text, we can be uh, bombarded with doubts about whether or not God does something for us when we're going through trouble. How many of you know there's a paradox here? That while you think about the goodness of God and how he protects you and keeps you, you can look out at a dying world and say, where is God protecting and keeping? But this is a psalm of confidence. This is a psalm about complete confidence in a God who can do anything but fail. And despite the trouble that we're in, God is still with us. One thing I want to let you know about this psalm in particular, that it is not communicating that trusting God relieves you from suffering. 
It's the first thing we got to get out of our mind. We, we think just because we go through something, just because we've experienced some trials, some even trauma, some, something that is beyond imagination, that it means that if we trust God, that that wouldn't have happened. It's not communicating that just trusting in God relieves you from all suffering. However, what it is saying is that no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. That while weapons are formed, while weapons are mustered, while weapons are created, in the end, they will not ultimately prosper. This is one of my favorite psalms. You can even think about the life of Joseph. Joseph was a man who went through extreme trauma and turmoil in his life. Extreme trauma and turmoil in his life. He gets to a place where he's sold off into slavery by his very own brothers. He gets charged of a crime that he didn't commit. He spends years in prison. Finally gets out to be confronted with the people who sold him into slavery. And at the end he says, this wasn't meant for evil. But God meant it for good that he might save your lives. Listen, Joseph could, could, could recite Psalm 91 despite all of his trouble, despite all of his calamity, all the things that were going on in his life, he could still recite Psalm 91. Psalm 91 has a core confession, beloved. Uh, one of the things that it says specifically in verse number two is it tries to help us understand that, number one, God is a refuge. He's a refuge. He's a shelter from the rain and the distress of the environment. You are currently under a refuge. You're currently under a refuge. This refuge, this pavilion is shielding you from the sun if it was bright. Right now, it's a cool day. You probably wouldn't need this pavilion right now. But if the day was hot, if it had been yesterday, this pavilion would have done you really good. The next thing it tries to tell you as a core confession is that God is a fortress. He's a fortress. He's a stronghold where you are safe from your enemy's attacks. You know what a stronghold is? Stronghold is this uh, uh, place in the middle of a kingdom, in the middle of a tower. It's generally the highest place within the, in the castle, so that way it's the hardest place to get to from your enemies. It's the stronghold. It's the place where you're most protected. And this is the core confession uh, of this psalm that we have here. Uh, this is Psalm 91, falls within the fourth division of psalms. There are five divisions of psalms, and we don't know who the author of Psalm 91 is. Generally, scholars will tell you that if you don't know who the author of the psalm you're reading is, generally the general rule is to look at the psalm that you've just read. And Psalm 90 was the psalm written by Moses. And when you look at some of the language in Psalm 91, it would lead you to believe as it talks about God protecting you from the plague, protecting you from calamity, all the things that were happening uh, with the children of Israel in Egypt during that time, that it would lead you to reason that just might be written by Moses. But scholars don't know. We don't know for sure. What we do know is that a psalm of confidence and trust designed to help you find courage and confidence in your trials no matter what you're going through. It's also a messianic psalm. You see some of the language in that. It is a messianic psalm in that it speaks specifically about the Messiah. Maybe you remember in verse numbers 9 through 13 where this is essentially language that Satan communicated to God in the wilderness. 
Mark chapter 4, verse number 6, Jesus is in the wilderness. Satan takes Jesus upon a high temple, upon a high mountain. He says, Jesus, go ahead and jump off because God will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And what did Jesus say to him? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He places his confidence and his trust, not in the trial that he's experiencing, not in the challenge that he's bearing, but in the God whose words endure. His confidence and trust. Again, it's a psalm of confidence and trust. It has a very sermonic style, if you would look at it and read it. It's, it's like a sermon. It starts off with the verses, first and two verses, as an introduction and summary of all that the psalm is trying to communicate. It goes into an exposition and then closes at a high point. It, it does what us in, in, in hermeneutics and in, in, in preaching call taking them to the cross. It takes them to the cross in the end. Uh, this sermonic style was both personal and prophetic. And, and it starts off with a personal conviction about the refuge and protection that comes from trusting his God. It proceeds with the prophecy, starting at verse 9, that appears conditional by saying, if you say. And then it finds its pinnacle with a direct word from God himself. God is actually speaking in the last three verses of Psalm 91. The text tells us, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You, you see the poetry there? That when you dwell in the shelter, you get to rest in the shadow. It's, 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 it's Hebrew parallelism. It's, it's synonymous parallelism that's letting you know the same thing I just said is the same thing that I meant. I said what I said, and I meant what I meant. If you dwell in the shelter, you get to rest in the safety. And, and you're dwelling in the shelter of the one who is the most high as you get to rest in the safety or rest in the shadow of the one who is the almighty. I just want to deal with this text today. I want to share with you why there's so much confidence that can be found in Psalm 90, number 91. The first thing we look at is this word dwell. The word dwell there, you get to dwell in this shelter. When you dwell, it actually is synonymous with the word in Hebrew language, which means to sit down, just like you're doing right now. You're sitting down, you're dwelling, you found your rest in this place. You've just dwelled here for a moment. You're not planning or thinking about going anywhere else. You're right here, right now. And it's talking about dwelling or living, if you would, in a place or in a condition in relationship with others. Every Sunday as you come to church, you get to live in community, live in relationship with your brothers and sisters. As you go to small group, as you go to lunch or to dinner, you dwell or live in community with one another. And as you live in that community to God, one of the things that he won't do, just as Bobby Caldwell said, is he won't give up. God pursues you with an unbelievable pursuit unbelievable pursuit as you think about that song mercy that we just sung today you know it the song talks about where they where you used to be and where you are today if you think back over your life and think about where you used to be 
who you could have been and you think about what God has meant in your life, you'll get to see how God was dwelling and living with you. For years, as I didn't follow God, I thought that God was far from me. But as I look back over my life and I think about how I should have been gone, how I should have been dead, and how he protected me and kept me in times of trouble, even when I wasn't calling upon his name, I realized that he was living and pursuing me. This is the type of confidence we can have in God, even when we don't know him, that he's pursuing you. He's seeking you. He's chasing you. And it's his mercy towards you that ultimately leads us to repentance. The next word there we see is the word shelter. It's the shelter. It's a covering from the rain. It is a refuge. In the Old Testament times, there were cities of refuge where individuals would go into the cities of refuge. They could flee there when they were accused falsely of a crime. And rather than uh, sub being subjected to an unjust system or legal process, they could flee to these cities of refuge and find safety and protection while they waited for their time of trial. This is a secret place. I like the King James Version's translation. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. It's a secret place. It's a secret place, but it's in the wide open. That makes sense? That, that it's a secret place, but it's in the open. I, that, that, that's baffling to me, that there can be a place that's secret at the same time be hidden. That's, that is what it's like when you're walking and living in community with God, that he puts you when you dwell with him in a secret place in the wide open. Principle I want you to remember here about the secret place is that the secret place is where you live in the confidence of God's loving protection. It's his loving protection that's the secret place. And you might ask yourself, well, how do I get into the secret place? How do I get into the secret place? Well, it starts with dwelling and living and finding your life in relationship with God. There's some benefits to living in the confidence of God's loving protection. The first one, one I want to tell you about is that you get protection from conspiracy and slander. Protection from conspiracy and slander. The text says in Psalm 31, you don't have to turn there, but just write it in the margins of your Bible if you have it. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before a watching world. Watch this. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them, here it is again, in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Listen, when, when, when you're in trouble, the place you need to run to is the presence of God. That's the place you run to in trouble. You run to the presence of God. And, and, and I'm convinced that that's why we experience so much trouble is that we run from the presence of God. We run to our education. We run to what we so-called experts. We run to our books. We run to our magazines. We run to the experience of others rather than running to the presence of God. 
Sometimes it can seem counterintuitive that you go to the presence of God and you're like, well, God, I don't necessarily hear him talking back to me. I need somebody to tell me some advice, give me some guidance, give me some wisdom when all you really need is shelter. Sometimes in situations that you're going through right now, can't nobody help you. You need to be hidden. You need to be tucked away. You need to be placed under shelter and hidden in the most high. And so here's some of the things that you might need to do when you're in the midst of a troubling situation, potentially when there's slander, when there's accusations, where people may be saying things about you, is you just need to stop fighting it. Stop fighting it. And let the Lord fight your battles. There there are some some things that you're going to experience that maybe I know I'm in a season right now that you may be experiencing some things that are catered trials specifically for you. You wake up in the morning and the the trials show up with a black tie event. They got a black tie, got a dish on you, a meal waiting to give it to you. But this is what you need to do. And I'm going to prophesy this to you as I prophesy to myself, despite the trial, Go and enjoy the meal. Because as you're hidden in the secret place of the Most High, you get to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The second thing that you get, the benefits of living in confidence of God's loving protection, is that you get to rest in the presence of God. That's what the next part of the verse says. It says that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High gets to, gets to rest. You get to sit down. You get to abide. You get to dwell in the presence of the Almighty. The presence of God is like the shadow, as it's talking about. It's the shadow. Now, now the shadow, again, I told you it's a paradox. There are two ways that you can look at a shadow. There's darkness and evil, the Bible even tells you, that hides and lurks in the shadows. There's evil that lurks in the shadows. But there's safety in the shadow of God. There's safety. You say, break that down, Bob. Yeah, there's there's safety there. So, So as you stand in the shadow, I want you to get this image in your mind. Imagine you're a little child, because that's how you're supposed to come to God anyway. And here's your big towering father, big towering parent who's standing there, and they got a shadow. If there's a shadow, that means there's a person. You just missed that. If there's a shadow, that means there's a person. And if his shadow is there, that means his presence is near. You remember, you ever seen a little kid who, who, who was real small that's standing there between the legs of their parent? And you walk up to them, you say, hey, little sweet thing, how you doing? And they just hide behind the legs of their parent, turn their head like you can't see them. They, they in plain sight, but they're in the safety. They're in the shadow of the presence of the one who protects them. And that's what it's like when we're walking and we're living in community with God. We get to dwell in the shelter. We get to abide in the shadow. We get to abide close to him, next to him, where his presence is. And his presence becomes the fortress. 
it becomes the safest place that we can find on earth. It becomes the safest place that we can find in the presence of the Almighty because the shadow means that he is close. Psalm number 51, David said it this way. He said, Lord, don't take your presence away from me. He, 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 he knew that the most important thing that he needed, despite his trouble, was the presence of the Most High. In Psalm 23, we find that God prepares a table for us. Watch this, in the presence of his enemies. Why? Because even though the enemy's there and there's danger lurking in the shadow, his presence is there to protect you. And so while this catered trial comes to you, you can enjoy the meal because God's with you. I want to read Psalm 139. You don't have to turn there again. This is, you can put it in the, in, in the corner of your Bible. Listen to this paradox. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, there it is again, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Where there's danger in the darkness of the wicked one, the light of God's presence outshines the darkness. Martin Luther, that's, that, that's what Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about when he said, light always overcomes the darkness. That whenever you come into a dark place, any speck of light brights up the whole place. This is why you need to be in the presence. Because in the presence, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, there are pleasures forevermore. In his presence, we can dwell and find safety despite the troubles we are going through. And this won't be on your screen, but it's another principle I want you to remember that the shadow of the Almighty is where you abide in the light of God's certain defense. His certain defense. This is what God won't do for love. He tells you again, we take him to the cross in verse 14 and 16. And I'm about to close, Grace, about to close, praise team. What he won't do for love, these are certainties of living in the confidence of God, love and protection. He won't let you go, not rescued. It's a double negative somehow. I don't know how that makes sense. He, he, he won't let you not be rescued. If you need to be rescued, that means somebody probably captured you away. But in the midst of being captured, you can rest in safety knowing that you will be rescued. Number two, he won't let you go unprotected. In the midst of your trouble, you don't need to think that you're defenseless. You don't need to think that you don't have an advocate, somebody on your side who's there to protect you. He won't let you go unprotected. He keeps you. He guards you. Number three, he won't leave you when trouble comes. 
That's one of the biggest things that we think is that when we're in the midst of trouble, God isn't there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In the midst of trouble, God is right there with you. In the midst of disappointment, God is right there with you. In the midst of challenging decisions, God is right there with you. In the midst of uncertainty, God is right there with you. Number four, he won't leave you without deliverance and honor. Hmm. He won't leave you without deliverance and honor. The God who sees you will deliver you. And watch this. He'll honor you. Why? Because you bear his name. Don't you know that you are the image of God? We spend so much time. If you, you, you do a search on YouTube. You'll find all types of things talking about how to find my identity, how to find my purpose, how to find my calling, how to find my this, how to find who I am, this, that, and the other. Listen, you are a child of the Most High God. And that's enough. That's the highest position of honor you could ever have. And, and listen, I know we know it. I know we know it because we give humans honor like that. We say things like, oh, that's the child of mayor so-and-so. Oh, 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 oh that's, that's, that's the daughter of, 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 of so-and-so. We give all these people honor because of who they're connected to. And listen, we have honor because we bear the image of the Most High God. Number five, he won't let you go without long life that is satisfied with joy and salvation. Why? Because you love him. This is God speaking in verses number 14. Because he loves me. Because he loves me. Because he loves me. Because he loves me. That's God speaking to you. Because she loves me. I won't let you go not rescued. I won't let you go unprotected. You acknowledge my name. You acknowledge my name. Jehovah Shalom, the God who is my peace. The Jehovah Tedeschi, the God who is my righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the one who's near. Jehovah Rohi, the God who heals me. Acknowledge his name. What's the name that you need to remember from God right now? That's how you dwell in the shelter, is you remember his name. Whatever you need, he is. Whatever you hope, he is. Whatever your trouble, he delivers. Remember, acknowledge his name. As you call on him. That's what he said. When you call on me, I'm going to answer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. 
or what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God desires that you call on him, beloved, that you spend time in his presence asking him for the thing that you need, thanking him for the joy that he is. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me your salvation so full and so free. Calling upon the Lord in prayer. It's not hard. It's just talking to the one whose presence you're in. It's just communicating to the one whose shadow you're hiding behind. It's just loving on the one who gives you shelter from your rain and storm. It ain't got to be thou, thee, those. It can be yo, for real, God. Like, I don't even know, man. Like, I'm tripping. It's so much trouble, yo. Like, for real, God. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to make it through the day. Like, God, this is stupid. I hate this crap. I don't know what's going on. Every time I turn around, I'm like, I'm getting pain, yo, and I don't know what to do, but I know you there. God, I'm struggling. I keep experiencing loss. Every time I turn around, it's like I'm losing somebody else, and I don't know what to do. You said that you was going to give me long life. You won't give us long life, but I don't, like, I don't see it. But I know you're still good. I know you still protect me. I, still, I know you still got me. I know you still love me. I know you're still better than anything I can imagine. And I know you're going to keep me. And whether in this life or the next, you'll restore me. You'll renew me. You'll redeem me. That's what salvation is. I just want you to pray a prayer with me as we close. If you don't know the Lord, or if you need the Lord, whether you're online or whether you're here in the pavilion today, just say this prayer with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you can do anything but fail. I realize that you are God alone and I am in need of your salvation. Come into my heart, dwell in my life, as I dwell in the presence of your safety. And whether you get me out of this trouble right now, I know you're still able. In Jesus' name, amen.